BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. Everything is so dumb, 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome to, to, to. Hey everybody, this is Worst Year Ever. My name's Cody Johnston, and we are here talking about the worst, uh, checking this, yeah, year ever. Hi everybody. (laughs) Hey. Also, hey. Hi. I'm Katie, by the way, if you didn't know. Stole, Mm -hmm. by the way, in case you didn't know that either. Robert Evans, do you have a name? No. No, he does not. All right. He gave that I have no follow-ups. Um. Yeah. Today... Great episode. <laughs> On this year. God, we're good at this. We've got a, a topic that um, we seem to be returning to pretty regularly every single week, every single episode of every moment of every day, um, which is uh, different aspects of the coronavirus pandemic that I think everyone doesn't need a summary of. And today we're going to talk about uh, hydrochloroquine. Um, sorry. Uh, hydro- hy- hy- you hy- fucking yeah, hack. Yeah. Hey, today we're going to talk about hydroxychloroquine um Mm -hmm. a a miracle drug that uh needs no explanation the end go use it great episode yeah i guess i'll lead us off so we're talking about hydroxychloroquine (laughs) hydroxychloroquine this is the um this is the medicine that our our president is convinced is a miracle cure and so we're going to talk about a lot of aspects of that today um and everything you need to know about this is this the president of the united uh, states yes the one that was uh told repeatedly to not look directly at the sun during an eclipse, and then he did, and then someone yelled, don't look at it, and then he kept doing it, and he pointed directly at it? Yeah, our nation's yes, Cody, top this scientist. this is the president. Yeah, the medical genius that is Pre- the president. President science yeah. man. Okay, thank you. The president who whose bold self-experimentation is responsible for us all now knowing that the eyes are the best way to get vitamin D into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, true. So I hope everyone is staring at the sun without blinking for 25 minutes a day like you're supposed to. Robert. Yep. Yep. What? No. No. Okay. Well, 
Uh, so let's talk about let's talk about why hydroxychloroquine um, is even a subject that's in the general zeitgeist. Uh, to explain that, we have to go back in time to uh, the halcyon days of early March 2020. Ah, those um, those beautiful end of winter days. Yeah, I wonder. I wish there was some sort of sound that could help us no. go back in time and differentiate uh, the past from the now. But I don't know what that would be. I'm pap, taking off pap, my headphones. Pap, pap, pap. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, 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 come back. Katie, I'm done. It's so done. Uh-huh. Back Katie, around March 6th. You're back? I think it was March. Yeah, yeah, she's, we're good. Oh, no, Cody. God. Horrible. Fucking damn it, Cody. Thank and you for now that. I'm if back. you're not here for them, they don't work. Okay, so okay, on March, cool. March, March 6th, uh, a small French study was published uh, on the use of hydroxychloroquine to treat uh, COVID-19 patients. Um, it was about 20 people in the study, um, and they found that medicating folks with hydroxychloroquine was was associated with a uh, viral load reduction um, and the disappearance of COVID-19 in uh, many of the patients. Um, and the effect of hydroxychloroquine on these patients was reinforced uh, by pairing it with azithromycin, which is an antibiotic better known as a Z-Pak. Um, so this is like the first study that came out. Um, and it seemed on its surface like this could be a really interesting first step. You know, you get uh, data like that during a pandemic. You definitely want to have follow-up studies um, to kind of try to confirm as to whether or not there's actually anything going on there. And this might be a treatment that could really help a lot of people. Um, so a study like this of 20 people can be a good first step but traditionally in medicine, you don't just jump from a 20-person study to dosing millions of people with a, a medication. You, you do don't? more studies with more people. No, no. Oh, that's oh. that. That's like, it's that's what we would call uh, unspeakably reckless. Um, oh, I yeah, had my information so backwards. It's okay. Most people do because America doesn't like science. Um but Fuck the science. science way that you handle this is you do more studies with more people, ideally in a couple of different parts of the world, and you see if the patterns from the first study continue to bear out. Uh, and that's not what happened here, because on March 13th, uh, cryptocurrency investor James Todaro and a New York City lawyer named Gregory Regano tweeted out a link to a paper that they had put up on Google Docs, um, which is the most reputable publishing house for scientific yeah, literature. Yeah, that's the, the medical journal Google Docs. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah, that's where Jonas Salk um, cured polio, was in Google Docs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, in this open file sharing paper that they threw out, uh, the men described a drug, you know, chloroquine, uh, hydroxychloroquine, um, and they described the early trials in France, and there were also some early trials in China um, that had had shown some promise as a, co- uh, promise as a COVID-19 treatment. Um, and, you know, they claimed that this drug, which they said was a treatment for malaria, which it was initially developed that way. It's not really used much as a treatment for malaria. It's much more often used for lupus these days. Um, they said that it was cheap and plentiful uh, and wrote that it uh, not only was it effective in treating COVID-19, but it, quote, also has strong potential as a prophylactic preventative measure against the coronavirus, which um, the data did not actually really suggest at this point. But by saying that, like you're basically telling people, if you just take this medicine, you'll be safe. Um so this Google Doc put up by two people who are not epidemiologists and not medical professionals was basically crafted to create a run on this drug. 
Um, and I should also note here that Gregory Regano, the lawyer, mischaracterized his qualifications in the paper. He described himself in the paper as an advisor to the Stanford University School of yeah. Medicine. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of <laughs> – yeah, it, he, he didn't just do that. I mean, yes, he did that. But we had Fox News bringing them on national television with that as part of the Chiron, you know, calling yeah. this a 100% cure. And that's – yeah. And Stanford has specifically come out and said that, like, no one at Stanford was involved in the study, and he is not an advisor with the Stanford <laughs> School of Medicine. Um, he's just a liar. Uh, cool. But yeah, a- as you stated, Katie, it wound up on Fox News. And the reason it wound up on Fox News, a big part of that is that on March 16th, a uh, friend of the show, Elon Musk, tweeted a link to the <laughs> Google Doc and wrote, maybe worth considering chloroquine for C-19. Um, Unbelievable. Uh, shocking. Uh, well, you know, he is a super smart <laughs> businessman. Yeah. So. Yeah, if if you know how to pay people to design a pretty cool rocket and a pretty cool car, you know how to treat a viral epidemic. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I've read that so, somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it was the Elon Musk's Twitter. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, he tweets that out on March 16th and it goes super viral. And on March 18th, uh, Breitbart and the blaze pick up the story. And on March 19th, that's Katie when Fox news has Gregory Regano on. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he, st- he claims that it's got a hundred percent cure rate against the coronavirus. This was a vast mischaracterization. The, the idea that it has a hundred percent cure rate against coronavirus was a wild mischaracterization of what the data suggested. Um, but also the data itself, that French study was profoundly flawed. In the reality, several patients in the study had to drop out of it because they suffered significant health side effects to the medication. In total, four of the 42 patients covered in that study died. These outcomes were not included in the study's final conclusions, um, a thing you might How recognize come? as bad science. Um, Is that that's standard a procedure question. for like for studies no. to not include that kind of no. information? No. Hmm. Uh, and mm. we will talk more later about some weird shit that's happening with a, a number of these coronavirus studies. But it's probably worth noting that um, uh, every medical professional who's been reached to about this, who's like an epidemiologist and stuff, has uh, has pretty much said the same thing, which is kind of echoed by something Dr. Kevin Tracy, uh, who's a CEO of the Feinstein Institutes for Medical Research in New York City, uh, said about the study, which is that uh, it was a complete failure. So despite it being a complete failure, Katie, you've got some stuff on how Fox News continued to hype this shit up. Yeah, I mean, like, as you said, you know, he went on Breitbart, championed the story, uh, he went on Fox News, the president got his jaws into it and started, you know, whipping it around like a dog with meat, um, <laughs> the rumors. But yeah, Fox News, I saw this uh, interesting little tidbit. Uh, Apparently, uh, an analysis by Media Matters found that Fox News promoted using the drug 109 times between March 22nd and March 25th. 109 times in two days. Um, And and I know. And in addition to that, of course, you know, Breitbart, Daily Wire, Daily Caller, even the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal uh, were talking about this miracle cure. Some of these headlines are like, you know, talking about how nursing homes are giving all of their patients hydrodoxychloroquine in and just there's just like a pervasiveness of this word floating around. And of course, people start to like latch on to that thinking like, oh, okay, here's something that I can do to take control of this. What's interesting is apparently uh, when all of this started, 
I mean, it was a drug that was earmarked to like, you know, it maybe has potential to be um, helpful, but that wasn't even the strongest drug. Remdesivir, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, remdesivir actually showed a lot more potential, but we all focused on this because of, of all the stuff that you just outlined. Are there uh, other studies into that going on? The, yeah, I'm the, sure. the better one? Yeah. Yeah. There's some other studies we'll talk about a little later, but it's just like that number, Katie, 109 times in two days. Yeah. Like it's staggering. And it like all in a lot of ways, what we're seeing with hydroxychloroquine is kind of like the anti-science shit that has been coming out of the Republican Party and its media machine for the last my entire adult life is like it's like Chekhov's gun, right? And we've all been waiting yeah. it for it to really like obviously it's gone off because the climate change shit has been completely stymied, yeah. but like this is this is the most direct pulling the trigger in someone's face way I've seen it go off of of where oh now we just have now we're just lying about medication in the middle of a pandemic like that's where this has has hit um and it's become an ideological thing whether or not you support taking an unapproved medication for fucking a, a plague it's uh astound- and it's incredibly dangerous we're gonna get into some of that um thankfully oh, and, and i was it, gonna say it rules oh it rules oh it's great oh, I love, we're working uh, on two different episodes mindless yeah. Yeah. Dog shit, uh, culture war stuff that affects people's <laughs> lives, uh, like this. It's I good. do too. I mean, in a little bit of defense of Fox, Katie, I text you at least a hundred and nine times every two days about the various painkillers that I, I I enjoy. So you know, who's are who's you texting here? Are you texting no an audience of millions? Yeah, I I, oh, I recommend okay, everybody. Well. Break into your local CVS, uh, steal mm-hmm. some Dilaudid, and uh, I, as mm-hmm. I hear, there's no consequences to opiates. So, like Fox mm-hmm. News, like why not? You know, let's let's go for it. Yeah, I don't. Let's, there let's, used to be, but yeah. thanks to Jared Kushner, he's he's uh, stopped all the consequences. Yeah. yeah, consequences are gone, which means the plague will. I don't know. The, this bit has no healthy conclusion. I just am so frustrated. <laughs> I'm sorry. I needed levity. Let's just barrel through it. Keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, from so as we've kind of laid out here, it hits like the right wing fever swamp bullshit news circus and it 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 gets spread there. And it, this winds up kind of leading it to the biggest spreader of misinformation in the country today. The president of the United States. The United States. Um, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And so the same day as that Fox News interview, Donald Trump gives yet another one of his press conferences and announces, because he'd just seen it on Fox News, that hydroxychloroquine was a possible game changer. Uh, He stated inaccurately that the FDA had approved it um, and told the entire country, (laughs) we're going to be able to make that drug available almost immediately. Um, A few days later, uh, during another press conference, he said that uh, chloroquine had a real chance to be one of the biggest game changers in the history of medicine. Uh, Two days after that, (laughs) he continued to talk about how wonderful this was, and he told the story of a patient named Rio Jandinieri, uh, a Florida man who was at death's door, who had like said goodbye to his family, was given hydroxychloroquine, and then um, had a seemingly miraculous recovery. And Trump said... A number of hours later, he woke up, felt good, he's in good shape, and he's very happy for this particular drug that we got approved in record-setting time. There's never been anything even close to it. 
And as soon as Rio Giandinieri's story hit the media, um, he was adopted by the whole right-wing punditry ecosystem and paraded in front of the nation while he was still in a hospital bed. Uh, he was interviewed on Fox News. Outlets around the country read stories about him. Uh, yeah, so I, I want to make it clear. Giandinieri has actually been pretty reasonable about all this. There was an article recently in the Miami Herald where he was like, please don't take hydroxychloroquine if your doctor hasn't given to you. Uh, given it to yeah. you. Uh, he specifically stated, the one thing that scares me to death is people taking these stories and going out and self-diagnosing and self-medicating. They can't do that. They've got to go to a doctor. Um, he got scared about this when he, after his being on Fox, started getting messages on like Facebook with people asking him how to take hydroxychloroquine. And it's one of those things. He may It may have saved his life. It also may have had nothing to do with his recovery. We don't know yet because like it was a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, um, right. yeah. It's just, it's so fucking wild how reckless, I, I like, the gloves are off. There's no truth anymore. Everything's fine, so we should all take as much fucking painkillers as we want. Yeah, what's so dangerous about this is that people see it being spread around and look at his story and think, oh, yeah, I can do that for myself. For example, there's this story of this couple from Arizona who wanted to take hydroxychloroquine after after hearing about this. Um and 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 the husband died because they took chloroquine phosphate, which obviously sounds similar, but it's actually used to clean fish tanks. Uh, and I guess both him and the, the wife took the drug, and then they immediately realized that they needed to go to the hospital, and the man passed away. And I thought this was interesting. This is a little exchange from our interview with NBC, uh, and the woman who decided to remain anonymous for obvious reasons, said Trump kept saying it was basically pretty much a cure. NBC, what would your message be to the American public? Woman, oh, my God, don't take anything. Don't believe anything. Don't believe anything that the president says and his people. Just call your doctor. Um, and I, yep. I can't imagine that they're the only people that have <laughs> done this. A, a health officials in Nigeria uh, actually issued a warning uh, after they said three people in their country died from overdosing on the drug, again, because they were citing Trump as having pushed it for the treatment. Mm -hmm. The CIA is also uh, internally uh, warned everybody to not take it. That's good. So it's I, at least the CIA mess. will be OK. I was worried yeah. most about that. I feel I feel safe now. <laughs> Um, because there are oh a lot my of God. complications with it. Like it, there the side effects are yeah. really dangerous. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But yes, there are are significant side effects, as there often is when you take you know medication that's unapproved at random. Um, but I think maybe the saddest thing about this is that like while we're all being forced to change our whole lifestyles as a result of this virus, like we can't even now Americans are going to be scared to eat fish tank cleaner, which just breaks my heart. That's one of my favorite like, hobbies. How many? Well, I was excited to get to back be, to it. Yeah, I, it's just mm -hmm. like how many things have to be taken away from us? You know? Yeah. What's What's left now? What's even left about being an American? Um, Thanks, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. So. In the wake of all this, Fox is handling like the fact that people someone died, the fact that like there's been serious health consequences revealed to like urging this shit has had zero impact on Fox News. Uh, Sean Hannity has started referring to himself as Doctor Hannity uh, in segments what? where he tells people to. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of shit! How dare you yeah. tell me that? Oh, <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, he wrote on the Fox News website that Governor Cuomo of New York is creating a much bigger health crisis in his state's hospital system by denying New Yorkers the choice in consultation with their doctors to take this potentially life-saving medication. I have some medication choices I think would help his lung cancer, and they are all bleach. Um, So get in contact, Rush. I can tell you how to drink it. It's very simple. You just need a cup and bleach. Um, We'll get get you on the path to health, buddy. so, yeah, uh, it's cool. Um, and as this all kept happening, the president also continued to push hydroxychloroquine on the people of the United States. In early April, uh, he told America, the side effects uh, are the least of it. You're not going to die from this pill. I say try it, uh, he said, before saying, I'm not a doctor. Um, oh, my God. Which I guess makes him more responsible than Sean Hannity. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly. Do you think the president got coronavirus and then he took this and just like because of the like he was going to get better, but and it's not related, but he took it and he's better. So he thinks that this is the miracle drug because of his personal experience. Conspiracy theorist. I mean, at some point, a really good book. High fives everybody. So far, all of the books about inside the Trump administration have been terrible and usually very irresponsible, too eventually there will be a good one. And I hope we learn the answer to that mystery, Cody, because it's the the number one mystery in my head right now outside of has he, like, yeah, I will say the number one mystery in my head right now about this administration is did he fucking get it? Like, did he yeah. get it and just, like, take a couple of days off because he's got access to, like, I don't know. I don't know. But right, what I do he, know is... Because he did not get it. Yeah, has he fucking gotten it? I don't know if he's gotten it. But I do know... One thing that is a hundred percent cure rate against COVID nineteen. Is it products and services? It is products <gasps> and services, oh. and we can say that because there's no consequences anymore, thanks to Jared Kushner. <laughs> Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. We're back. So I wanted to go into everything. I just read everything I could find about the actual scientific studies that they've done on this shit because I wanted to know what what actually is out there. Because like one of my big worries is that people would get rightfully frustrated at the president for telling people to take an unapproved medication, and then this stuff would wind up to actually be a miracle drug, and it would cause everyone to trust the president when he says, I don't know, that the meteor heading towards Earth isn't a problem or something. I, I had a real worry about that. So I, I really wanted to know, like, what the fuck does the data say? And the data says um, a lot of complicated and conflicting things because, spoilers, there's actually very little good data about the use of this shit against COVID-19. Oh, Which is not surprising. Yeah, and it's used for something else. Uh, I just, I, I don't even yeah. know when it's uh, a good time to bring this up, but I find it really interesting that whenever anyone talks about this drug, they refer to it as the malaria drug. Uh, when it's yeah. also used for lupus, and when even like just like every media organization seems to refer to it as the malaria drug, which seems to be yeah. like downplaying the importance of the actual use it has in the medical community and for for people. The, the media is just now getting comfortable with the idea that a medication might treat two things. So the fact that this actually might treat three things is really more than we can expect from them in terms of nuance. So they have had to knock just lupus sufferers off the off the radar. Um, I mean, so, it also does seem like an attack against. Uh, I mean, if we're looking at the facts of lupus, lupus is ninety percent of the people living with lupus are women. Most people with lupus develop the disease between the ages of fifteen and forty-five, and lupus is two to three times more prevalent among women of color so it does feel like a targeted attack that they are not mentioning this at all right and yeah. and by framing it as malaria i feel like it's like well if you're like an american reading the news then you'll be like oh malaria i'm not gonna get malaria we don't need to worry about people with malaria 100 percent. um yeah 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 well and it's also just that like even less than it being a targeted attack it's just it's a group of people that is, are easy to ignore because of the racism often overlooked in the, the mainstream media yeah absolutely so that's all good and we are going to have an interview with a lupus um sufferer who takes hydroxychloroquine uh, at the end of this episode but I, I wanted to get into a summary of like all of the actual research that's been done so when we talk about the actual dangers the side effects of this medication um most of them seem to come from the fact that you are generally mixing it with a powerful antibiotic usually azithromycin um, and the combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, uh, it prolongs the QTC interval. And I don't know what that means other than that <laughs> any any medication that prolongs the QT interval um, can cause heart failure in certain people who are at risk. 
Um, and a recent study suggests that up to 11% of coronavirus patients uh, are in the so-called red zone for potential cardiac side effects. That's a um, high percentage. That is a lot of people. Um, and it, it means that those people could be very easily killed by this combination of medications. Um, so and it is accurate to say that hydroxychloroquine on its own is historically very, very safe. This is a medication that that has very few side effects, uh, a very limited history of harming anybody. Um, it is a very safe medication, but number one, people aren't just getting hydroxychloroquine, and number two, the folks getting it aren't the folks who normally get it. So it's there's, saying that is kind of ignoring a lot of critical details, including the fact that it's it's really not even accurate to say that hydroxychloroquine is the potential miracle cure here. Because the thing that most people are testing is hydroxychloroquine paired with an antibiotic. It's a little bit like what people do with like talking about ayahuasca when it's like, well, no, actually ayahuasca is a root with an MAOI in it. And the DMT, which is the drug that makes you trip, is usually like something like mimosa hostilis root bark or another DMT containing containing plant. But like, yeah, it's this perfect problem relatable like, example. Thank you. Thank you. I try to be relatable. <laughs> It's a bummer. Uh, and there have been some doctors who have been complicit in spreading this bullshit. One of them is Dr. Stephen Smith, uh, the founder of the Smith Center for Infectious Diseases and Urban Health. Uh, he's been on Laura Ingram's show, The Ingram Angle. Uh, he called uh, the treatment a game changer. Uh, he said, I think this is the beginning of the end of the pandemic. I'm very serious. Uh, and uh, his evidence of this was that not a single one of his COVID-19 patients uh, who has been on the hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin uh, regimen for five days has had to be intubated. Uh, he stated to Ingram, the chance of that occurring by chance, according to my sons, Leon and Hunter, who did some stats for me. <laughs> That's incredible. What a quote. As every reputable statistician says, don't trust a doctor who doesn't have large adult sons do running the stats for him. <laughs> um, so that's great. So yeah, he said that the, according to Leon and Hunter, uh, the stats, the, quote, the stats for me are .00 something, which he added was ridiculously low. <laughs> that is um, true. So, He's, yeah, something is low. Point zero zero something is very low. I would even say it's ridiculous how low that is. I like the um, specificity too. Yeah, Leon and Hunter, if you want to be on the show, we love having people named Leon on the show, particularly mm -hmm. big fans of that. Um, so, yeah, uh, this guy went on to tie like the research that he and his, his sons had done uh, to that discredited French study, uh, saying it bolstered that research. Um, and then the another bad, doctor it bolstered the bad research. It really did. The, his his bad research really bolstered the other bad research. Yeah. Um, and another bad doctor got in on the game because Dr. Mehmet Oz has really been on Fox and Friends a lot. Uh, and he brought mm -hmm. up what he called an important randomized study still unpublished from Wuhan, China. Um, and this study suggested that uh, was was you know, a study of 62 patients showed that all the patients who were given the um, hydroxychloroquine um, plus traditional therapy had better results than the patients who just had the traditional therapy. Um, he said that, uh, he said, quote, we think it's real um, after talking to the medical leadership in China, which is one of the things that's fun to me is this mix of like, you can't trust China on anything, but when they <laughs> but say this, this medicine's good, like, yeah, it's trustworthy. Yep. There we go. Um, yeah. 
So the study in Wuhan that he's referring to was published finally on the 31st of March. Uh, and since Dr. Oz is a complete fraud and a liar who should be locked away in a dark cell for the rest of his life, I'm going to turn to Derek Lowe from Science Magazine, who is an extremely competent scientific writer and journalist uh, and has done a really good job of breaking down his these studies. Uh, his, his coverage so the science in Science Magazine on- is not in quotes. No, 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 no. He's he's an actual scientist, mm. um, and he writes very well about this. Like his writing is a bit dense, but his in the pipeline blog does a very good job of analyzing the studies being done on this, and I recommend him heavily as a source. Uh, and I'm going to quote from him him here. Quote: What's good is that this one is blinded, randomized, and controlled, so we can actually talk about it rather than just spending all of our time wondering what the heck is going on. This time there were 31 patients in the treatment group and 31 in the control group. Median age was 44.7 years, male-to-female ratio almost even. Both groups got standard of care, oxygen therapy, antiviral drugs, antibiotics, presumably against suspected bacterial pneumonia, and immunoglobin with or without cortical steroids. In addition, the treatment group got five days of hydroxychloroquine, 200 milligrams. Uh, all were diagnosed with relatively mild illness, but all had pneumonia by CT scan. More patients in the in the treatment group presented with fever and cough as opposed to the control group. After five days of treatment, the treatment group showed significant improvements in comparison to the controls in fever and cough and in pneumonia by CT scan. This is actually the first controlled study to show any benefit for chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine therapy against the coronavirus. It may sound odd to say that, but all the positive reports we've had up until now are anecdotal reports and open-label studies without control groups. You could argue that overall we're seeing either no—yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about that a little more later. You could argue that either we're seeing no benefit or, and this is his analysis of that study, you could argue that uh, overall we're seeing either no benefit or some benefit here, which is good. As for adverse effects, neither trial reported anything serious, but both of them excluded patients with any sort of cardiac arrhythmias. A wise precaution since one of the most acute worries with high doses of hydroxychloroquine is, you know, that QT interval uh, prolongation we were talking about. Um, so long as such patients are excluded, for now hydroxychloroquine is in the might-do-nothing, might-do-some-good category, which under the current conditions seems sufficient for treating patients pending further data. So what he's saying is that rather than being a miracle cure or having a 100% success rate or being a good preventative, this medication, when given only to people who are not at risk of any sort of cardiac event, might possibly do some good, not a miracle cure. Not unlike anything we've ever seen, a medication that might provide a mild to moderate benefit to a subset of the population who does not suffer from heart disease. That's the most that can be said based on good data, period. I wasn't listening to anything you said before or after Miracle Cure, so... (laughs) Good, good, good. That's That was the right thing to take from that. Miracle Cure, Dash, Robert Evans. Now... Uh, this study, uh, again, it excluded people with heart concerns. Um, a a different study that was recently shut down early in Brazil did not exclude those people. Uh, this study involved 81 hospitalized patients uh, in the city of Manaus and was sponsored by the Brazilian state of Amazonas. And they had to end it early for a number of reasons. So I, I want to say the first thing I should note about this study is that it had no control group. And it had no control group because Brazil's national guidelines, because the president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, was the same kind of guy as Trump, Brazil's national treatment guidelines recommend the use of chloroquine in coronavirus patients. So the researchers were legally forbidden from having a placebo in their trial, which means that this was off the top a bad study. But even so, the study had to be shut down early um, because so many patients had adverse health reactions to this medication. 
Um, within wow. three days, researchers started noticing heart arrhythmias in patients taking the higher dose. And by the sixth day of treatment, 11 of these patients had died, leading to an immediate what? end uh, for the high dose segment of the trial. Yeah. So they had to shut this study down because it killed 11 people. And okay. they weren't even able to do a good study because the government, which is like our government, forbade them from fucking uh, uh, from from doing a real study because uh, it it mandates the use of chloroquine in these patients. But so what did the sun say? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, none of this scientist, the scientist who halted the study after 11 people died has no sons that I'm aware of. So clearly he's <sighs> less reputable. Yeah. Than, the guy with, than Leon and. Whoever the fuck Leon Hunter, was. yeah, um, yeah, Hunter, the best, most scientific first name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so there was another study uh, that came out recently from Marseille Hospital, and the the scientist behind it was a guy named Didier Raoult, uh, and it presented a thousand and sixty one patients treated for at least three days with hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. Uh, with a follow-up nine days after. Uh, it includes the, station nine, the statement 98% of patients were cured so far and that no cardiac toxicity was observed. Um, and says that, yeah, the, these patients did better as a result of this medication, uh, which sounds great, right? You've got 1,000 patients, no cardiac events, 98% cure rate. That sounds like a miracle cure. However, this study, again, had no control group. And the reason this study had no control group, which is, is because the doctor in charge of it believes that it's immoral to use control groups because that would be killing people. Because he, he, he went into this believing that hydroxychloroquine is a miracle cure, basically. So that's not a great study. It's not a great um, study. Not a great study. Um, yeah. And it sounds like a bad study. Yeah, it does sound like a really uh, bad study. Sounds like now, a lot of bad studies are done about this specifically. Interesting. It does. It does sound like a lot of bad studies. Um, now, when I went back to uh, uh, our, that that science magazine um, in the Pipeline blog, I found another analysis of a, a large multinational um, data gathering collaboration uh, from Germany, Japan, the Netherlands, Spain, UK, and the United States. And it compares the safety of hydroxychloroquine in rheumatoid arthritis patients uh, versus uh, patients taking another common rheumatoid arthritis drug. Um, and it compares the safety of the combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin taken together versus it in another antibiotic like amoxicillin. So this gives us like a good data on just how, what, because it, it, because hundreds of thousands of patients were given these drugs, you know, for things that were not coronavirus, we can have at least a better idea of how many people react negatively when they are dosed with this combination of drugs. Um, and the good news is that uh, combining hydroxychloroquine with certain uh, medicines um, like uh, sulfaz, uh, sulfasalazine doesn't show any difference in adverse events over one-month courses of treatments. Um, so like short-term, there's certain things you can pair with hydroxychloroquine that don't seem to boost cardiovascular mortality. But the azithromycin combination, which the president and the right-wing news fear are specifically pushing um, has been associated with significant um, 15 to 20% increased risks of angina, chest pain, and a heart failure, and a twofold risk of cardiovascular mortality in the first month of treatment. Um, so again, all of the large-scale data shows that there is significant risk of killing people with this shit. So yeah, it's not ideal. And well, I've got Robert, one more study to Robert, neither is the economy tanking, you know? So people need to have some hope. They need to think that there's an answer, whether or not it works, because the yeah, economy. Because the economy. 
there's also a study out in Michigan recently that was put together by a bunch of ophthalmologists, which is weird, but it's not necessarily a bad study. Um, and they uh, they claim that, uh, quote, our infectious disease division and our antimicrobial pharmacists have reviewed all the available data, and we found no convincing evidence that these drugs were effective in treating people with COVID-19. Um, and that that data is consistent with the observations of doctors in Michigan Medicine's hospitals. We haven't seen any clear evidence of benefit, so we aren't going to use hydroxychloroquine routinely anymore. We were initially recommending it to both patients and outpatients, but we are no longer doing that routinely. That's based on the fact that we've been prescribing hydroxychloroquine for a few weeks, did not see therapeutic benefit, but did see adverse side effects. So, again, we don't have solid, perfect data on this stuff, uh, and we won't for a while, but the data that exists suggests we, we do have perfect data suggesting that the combination of hydroxychloroquine and um uh azithromycin is toxic and potentially fatal to a large chunk of the population we know that to a matter of certainty because we have studies with hundreds of thousands of people that say it um and we know that the data on whether or not this even helps with COVID-19 is far from a smoking gun. And there's data that says it, it could be moderately useful and data that says it's useless. And we do not have um, a, a hard uh, factual conclusion on that yet. But that's what we've got in terms of fucking science here. So that's that's what I've put together. I'm done now. But <laughs> You I would say I'd... the phrase miracle cure a few times, and I'm yeah, really honestly, honing in on that. I'm really focusing it, on that. There was a lot of words, a lot of words, a lot of words. That phrase, and then some more words. So it's yeah, good. Yeah, because a, a, a miracle cure would be good, right? And so. Yeah. There we go. Well, you there guys, we go. you know what is also a miracle cure? Products and services. Well, BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. And we're back. Isn't that we're fun? Back. Uh, Cody, we're back. I want to hear what you worked on for this thing. I know you got some juicy stuff. Oh, yeah, present stuff. your homework to the class, Cody. The class of America. Mm-hmm. The American class. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I just listened to what the president said, and I'm here to uh, let you know that whatever he said is uh, good. Whenever Donald Trump does anything, uh, you kind of wonder why. And like, so, uh, so Donald Trump and associates, they're, they're mysteriously pushing this drug that uh, may kill people, may make things worse, may help people a little bit, may do nothing. Sorry, sorry. Um, co- just one correction. Absolutely has killed people. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much uh, for that. Yeah. fact Check. Um, yeah. And sure. So that sounds like something, uh, he and they would do Trump and his associates would do exactly this, um, which they are doing. Uh, but why is, I think an interesting question, uh, given the fact that the president, like, you know, owns companies still and could have been impeached via the emoluments clause long ago and has used his position to campaign and to make money for his campaign. And he uses his campaign funds for personal reasons. And he's just like a money crime guy, you know, who's like into money crimes. Right. Um, so, a decent guess to this why question would be money. Um, I think uh, you may have seen a lot of, uh, like a torrent, I would say, of headlines, like this one from the Daily Beast. Trump has financial interest in hydroxychloroquine manufacturer. These all seem to be based on a New York Times piece about the matter. Uh, quote, some associates of Mr. Trump's have financial interests in the issue. Sanofi's largest shareholders include Fisher Asset Management, the investment company run by Ken Fisher, a major donor to Republicans, including Mr. Trump. Another investor in both Sanofi and Milan, another pharmaceutical firm, is Invesco, the fund previously run by Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary. As of last year, Mr. Trump reported that his three family trusts each had investments in a Dodge and Cox mutual fund, whose largest holding was in Sanofi. Several generic drug makers are gearing up to produce hydroxychloroquine pills, including Amnial Pharmaceuticals, whose co-founder, Shirag Patel, is a member of Trump National Golf Course, Bedminster, in New Jersey, and has golfed with Mr. Trump at least twice since he became president, according to a person who saw them. Um, so, as many have pointed out, though, uh, Trump's personal investment is something he likely didn't even know about, and it ranges Part from Part of, like, somewhere- a mutual fund? Yeah, it's like these like three family trusts and mutual fund it, and it ranges between 5 grand and 15 grand. Um as Snopes puts it, uh Trump's financial stake in these companies is virtually negligible, contained indirectly via mutual funds and administered through three family trusts he does not control. 
As a generic drug, hydroxychloroquine is unlikely to provide any one company with significant profits compared to other proprietary drugs. Um, Vox also points out in regards to his associates, uh, Ross, like Trump, is connected indirectly through a fund he used to run. Fisher has long been a Sanofi investor through his asset management company. And while Patel's company does plan to produce hydroxychloroquine, Amniel has said it plans to donate pills as well. Uh, so there are all these sort of light relationships by a proxy, very indirect, that aren't really going to benefit these specific people financially. Like that's what you'll see mentioned mostly. A couple of people kind of indirectly related to a small fund that may not have even known about it. And although I don't want to downplay how ghoulish pharmaceutical companies are, um, as well as the people who work for and benefit from them, because um, they are, uh, it's not like a Trump problem. It's a mm -hmm. gestures to society problem. Sure. Uh, for example, uh, Open Secrets and Sludge have reported uh, last month, the conservative nonprofit group Job Creators Network collaborated with healthcare nonprofit Physicians for Reform to launch an online petition, a series of Facebook ads, and a mass text message campaign urging Trump to make hydroxychloroquine available to treat patients battling COVID-19. Um, real quick, before we get into it, a little bit about Job Creators Network. It's a conservative advocacy group co-founded by Bernard Marcus, who's a former CEO of Home Depot. Uh, if you're fans of propaganda organization mm. Prager University, uh, you might recognize they recently made a collaboration with Job Creators Network. It's a video called What Are Stock Buybacks? And the answer to that question is good. They're very good. Uh, the video specifically mentions... That sounds that like journalism. <laughs> it does. They did a good job. Um, they're good and you should do them and you should let companies do them. Uh, the video specifically mentions Home Depot specifically. Uh, doing stock buybacks is good. Uh, for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why they would do that um, in this collaboration between Job Creators Network and Prager University. But anyway... According to Open Secrets, Marcus gave $7 million to outside groups supporting Trump's 2016 presidential run. He also gave $100,000 to the pro-Trump super PAC America First Action in 2018 to further support Trump's second <laughs> presidential bid and plans to spend even more to support Trump's re-election. Physicians for Reform often works with conservative advocacy group Freedom Works to influence the deregulation of healthcare policies, uh, something that I'm sure will go over really great uh, during this pandemic. Uh, pharmaceutical research and manufacturers of America gave millions in grants to conservative groups in 2018 that pushed industry-friendly policies to Trump, according to tax returns analyzed by Open Secrets. The industry's top lobbying group gave FreedomWorks $100,000 in 2018. It also gave $500,000 to the Job Creators Network in 2017. Uh, they represent the most powerful drug companies in the country, such as Bayer, Novartis, Teva, etc. Um, ah. So, yeah, so there's clearly, like, some financial benefit going on with people pushing this drug um but it's not like trump is illegally doing it for himself specifically or even like his friends generally it seems like if anything it's just yeah dark money pharma lobbying that isn't unique to trump uh, a happy right? accident yeah it's just like he well, exacerbates know, I... these behaviors i think people get really angry at dark money a lot and they don't consider the fact that because the money is dark, it helps block UV rays, which lowers your risk yeah. of skin cancer. I think Absolutely. that's how dark money works. So no, it I, does. It I does. Let's be fair here. I, yeah, yeah, I read that in a, uh, a yeah. study done by Job Creators Network. Yes, big advocates uh -huh. of dark money as a sunscreen. 
Yeah, the, it's dark money. It's it's just they're shy, you know. Yeah, like, show, all like, I've heard in the last ten minutes is sunscreen. I love sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Miracle we Cure sunscreen. sunscreen. We love sunscreen here, folks. So yeah, so it's just yeah, dark money, pharma lobbying, society. <laughs> um, you're gonna have these groups pushing this kind of thing, uh, which again, this group was definitely doing in March. Uh, you can sign the petition if you want, folks. It's not really about him, unless we don't want to talk about. A man named Joe Pizza, which we are going to do right jo- now. J- so, no, Cody, Cody, Cody. We yes, are sir. not going yes, to drop into the bullshit partisan nonsense. You call him Joseph Pizza. Joseph Robinette Pizza. Jr. I think it's, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think it's pronounced Joey Pizza. Pizzeria Joey. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. It's, again, okay to make jokes about Italians. Yeah. I feel bad. Yeah, you can't it's, be racist. No, you cannot be racist against Italians anymore. We solved that problem. That's the law. <laughs> That's what the law says. That is the law. That all is the laws law. are good. Following them all mm-hmm. without question, mm-hmm. also good. Yeah. Anyway, Cody, I feel like you've got yeah. a spicy meatball to unwrap about Joe Pizza. <laughs> I might have a chef kiss uh, here and there. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so we're gonna briefly talk about a man named Joseph Pizza. I can't confirm that his middle name is Robinette. Um. Uh, so emotionally, it is most people named Joe. Uh, their middle name is Robinette. So, yeah, uh, plumber Joe Robinette. We all remember him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So according to Sludge, uh, pizza. <laughs> gonna keep. It's gonna be really fun. Uh, pizza, formerly of the band Muffin. No, stop it! Yeah. Stop mm-hmm. it! Mm-hmm. Sludge said pizza was in a band called Muffin. They did. Okay. Um, I I love that we are talking about incredibly important global politics that the lives of millions hinge on right now. That's so good. <laughs> it's uh it's quite something. It is We're changing uh, the name of this podcast to Best Year Ever now. <laughs> best year best year ever with Joe Pizza. Mm-hmm. Um God. So yeah, he's a band called Muffin. I've been trying to find a little more on Muffin, um, but we don't need to waste our time with that. He is a big donor to the pro-Trump super PAC, America First Action. He's give, given the group $125,000 in 2019. Mr. Pizza has also made large donations to other organizations that back the president. Since 2016, he has given $62,500 to Trump Make America Great Committee, uh, $61,400 to the Republican National Committee, and $4,000 to Donald J. Trump for president. In making his political contributions, Pizza has listed several pharmaceutical companies as his employer, including Pharmasphere, Interchem, and Pharma C. According to his LinkedIn, Pizza is president and CEO of Interchem, which appears to be a U.S. sales representative for companies from around the world that produce active pharmaceutical ingredients. One product Interchem sells is hydroxychloroquine sulfate, the primary active ingredient of Plaquenil. He seems to have a lot of connections with the pharmaceutical company. And before we get too much more into the, the, the Trump of it all, I have to read uh, two paragraphs. One is on uh, <laughs> Joe's about page. Joseph Pizza. Joe has been a professional musician since signing with the United Artists at age 14. Later, he formed the band Muffin. Muffin is on all caps, by the way. Uh, cool. With his childhood friend, Ron Menino, and they played to packed houses. 
Since then, Joe has written the music and lyrics to over 200 plus songs. Uh, just a tip for the about page. If you put over and a number, you don't need to put plus because that implies that it's over the number. So over 200 plus, you don't need to do that. Anyway, he has also penned numerous plays, one acts, and screenplays. His musical, All for Joe, for which he wrote the book, <laughs> Music and Lyrics, has been showcased at the Duke Theater. Um, so, again, I know this unbelievable. is unbelievable, but I'm going to go... Fucking th- unbelievable. <laughs> this is yeah. the... Uh, first uh paragraph describing all for joe on the all for joe website for joseph pizza's musical all for joe god damn it god God damn it this is for you this is towards the end of the episode god god for us all when was the last time the world around you came together to help you live your dream All for Joe is the familiar heartwarming story of one man's dream to pursue his passion and leave his unfulfilling career behind him. Uh, I imagine he's referring to his many pharmaceutical companies that he works for. In your typical (laughs) suburban neighborhood. It does seem unfulfilling. Yeah, it it does seem seem, unfulfilling. It seems like soul crushing in a way. Uh, So maybe, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, through music, he will find his way. But in in your typical suburban neighborhood, Joe and his wife, Lauren... Uh, side note, Joe Pizza's wife's name in real life is Lauren, uh, who we'll talk about oh. in a moment. Um, struggled to keep balance in their home, marriage, and community. As the events of a high school reunion and an out-of-control teenage party unfold on the same night, things take a turn for Good the worse Christ. before looking up. Good before looking up, though, with music, book, and lyrics by Joseph M. Pizza. Dang, Mobinette. Joseph Mobinette Pizza. All for Joe. <laughs> Boasts an impressive ah. and diverse collection of musical numbers ranging from modern love songs, finger snapping doo wop, to old fashioned rock and roll. So, uh, that's a little bit about Joe. And I maybe will, maybe later we'll listen to uh, some songs from his musical, not in this episode. Uh, don't get your hopes up. But um, there's so much to say about Joe P- M. Pizza. And one of those things. I, yes, yes. I don't have any. I came into this ready to really <laughs> throw down some jokes, you know, um, to do my part. And I, I have nothing, Cody. I have nothing. There's no. I understand. There's no joke to be made, really. Not really. I, no, not really. I understand you got nothing, but you know who does have something? Joe Pizza. And you know what he has? Yeah, he has a pharmaceutical company. A yeah, spicy a meatball. You know what else he, he has? <laughs> what? He also has a residence. He also has a residence in Palm Beach, uh, located just two miles from the president's private club, Mar-a-Lago. Oh, that's good. Um, he also has a wife, uh, Mr. Pizza's wife, Lauren Pizza, um, who wrote uh, a 2014 memoir. And uh, before we get to a, a, a beautiful paragraph in that book, uh, the book is called Meant to Be, The Lives and Loves of a Jersey Girl. And the, uh-huh. the, and the, and the description of this book by Lauren Pizza, wife of Oliver Joe's Joe Pizza of uh, Interchem, is when Lauren Pizza was 13, she died. Caught oh. under a small sail. Solid opening line. <laughs> Yeah. Caught under a small sailboat, she struggled to reach the surface, only to find that what she thought was up was actually down. And that's all she remembers. That's happened to me. Ever since being resuscitated by two strangers, Pizza has felt a presence in her life from the spirit world. 
Is it crazy? Oh, no. Maybe. Her family sure thinks oh, so. No. And so on and so forth. Uh, that's her memoir, oh, by no. the way. This isn't her, fi- her, work, her work of fiction. This isn't uh, meant to be a novel. This is a memoir no, this, from Lauren No, it's Pizza. nothing like that sounded like a work of fiction, Cody. That sounds like actually a scientific paper. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus fucking with God. I assume with a forward by her two sons confirming. Um, yeah, no, confirming <laughs> the stats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, so, I hate this so much. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not great. But uh, if but hey, don't worry, because you're going to love this next paragraph. Oh, there's more. Uh, this is from the book. I've spent the last decade and a half staying in five-star resorts and dining with people who can buy the town I grew up in. Donald Trump sang happy birthday to me at Mar-a-Lago, and a billionaire <laughs> sent me his private jet when I missed my connecting flight in Milan. And she goes on uh, with more examples. I, it's probably, uh, maybe it's relevant that uh, Donald Trump sang happy birthday to her at Mar-a-Lago, the private club where the president uh, schmoozes with donors um, I don't see why it would and be. maybe gives him favors uh, to the wife of the guy uh, who uh, uh, is the CEO of Interchem and lives two miles away. I don't know. Um, so in conclusion, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, 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 oh. the, it's a lot. Of, there's a, just a lot of these examples of things like, okay, yeah, that person talks to the president, and we know that Trump. Uh, yeah, he's motivated by money. He's also motivated by uh, the. The last person who said anything to him, he just like absorbs yeah. his thoughts and ideas, and is like that's that's the thing, and he focuses and he fixates on them, and then that's it. Um, it doesn't necessarily have an ulterior motive, uh, though sometimes they do. Some, but sometimes it is just like a bunch. Doctor Oz told me, the CEO of Oracle told me, Rudy Giuliani told me, and now this is what I believe. You know what's um, really crazy about all this? If theoretically. And I'm saying theoretically, because this is a thing that has never happened and never will happen. But if theoretically the host of a podcast were to hand out the address or even the crude location of the pizza home in Florida and urge people to break into it and take things, that would be a crime. That would be a crime, and that person That's would have a committed a crime. You but would have just committed if, a crime if you had said that. If I had said that. But if Joseph Pizza were to talk to his friend Donald Trump and say, this hydroxychloroquine shit that I have a financial interest in really should be bought up by everyone and sundry and used immediately as a miracle cure. And if that president of the United States, who is also entirely hypothetical, were to urge people to take this without any solid scientific backing, none of that is illegal. Uh, it doesn't it's seem like anything cool. like that is illegal. Yeah. Um, what yeah, if that guy also donated a bunch of money to that president too, in addition to just being yeah. like a local friend? I um, love the. You know. Okay, we've been at this for about an hour, and I, I think we've gotten some good information out and some deep frustrations out. But I am now so overcome with rage that I think we have no other option. But to cut to um, our source for today, um, who is a young woman who has lupus and is on hydroxychloroquine and relies on it to uh, uh, exist in in, in a way that is alive um, and wants to talk about how this whole situation, which is, again, not a crime, uh, has has dramatically impacted her life and caused her um, unremitting horror. So we're going to cut to that now. 
Hello, Abby. Uh, thank you for being on Worst Year Ever. Um, do you want to kind of introduce yourself more than me just saying hello, Abby? <laughs> <laughs> sure thing. Um, hello, hello. Uh, so my name is Abby. I am uh, 26. I'm located over in Los Angeles, and I have had lupus likely since I was 12, but I was diagnosed at age 22. Now, when you say likely since I was 12, could you explain a little bit more about like how you, how the hell you like how you found out? You know what what what. What is that like? Yeah. It's been a really interesting process. So uh, when I was 12 years old, uh, I was jumping on my friend's trampoline in her backyard and my knee just gave out, which like, you know, it Ooh. sounds like something that can happen to any kid hopping on a trampoline. Uh, but this definitely was the start of something. In that period of time, in retrospect, I also realized that I had been experiencing uh, pleurisy, which is an inflammation of the lining of my lungs. And, uh, so my, my parents are both physicians. So this was something that I wasn't like brought to a hospital for. My dad is an anesthesiologist. My mom is a nurse. And so it was the thing of like, uh, I was in band class at when I was 12 years old in middle school and I was having trouble breathing, but I definitely didn't have asthma. Uh, and so that's kind of what we landed on and it went away eventually. Um, as I got older, my arms started to, uh, well, I guess first my, my other knee went uh, a couple years later. Like I had a similar experience that like, it just kind of made a loud cracking sound. And then it was never Ooh. the same since. As I got into high school, I was like getting pretty serious about playing clarinet. Um, and as I practiced and practiced and practiced for college auditions, uh, my hands started to give out and they swelled from, I think I was about a size eight ring and now I'm a size 10 to 12. Uh, and the swelling just has never gone down since. Um, still wasn't diagnosed though. So it was just kind of like, enjoy your misery kid time to figure out what you want to do with your life. That is completely different from what you're planning on. Um, so went through college with, uh, you know, continuous, uh, unexplained symptoms, um, from pleurisy to, uh, my joints, but that was, those were the main, uh, ones. Um, once I got out of college, uh, I really took getting diagnosed serious, like more seriously, not that I hadn't been like throughout my entire childhood, you know, there was like an MRI here, uh, a meeting with a physician there. My dad would be at dinner and ask his friend about it. Like it, it, there were just these little inklings of, uh, you know, possible diagnostic treatment and nothing came up. Uh, just the, the correct blood tests were also never taken. Uh, I, I mean, if I really want to get into it, you can cut some of this out if you want. But, uh, when I was a senior in college, when I was home for winter break, uh, I went to a rheumatologist in Beverly Hills, like hoping that this man would be, uh, the answer to my problems. He did not even touch my body. <laughs> like, he, he like gave me a up and down look. He listened to what I had to say. And then he was like, you have fibromyalgia. And he prescribed me a couple meds that did nothing. So that sounds really, 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 really frustrating. It was quite frustrating. Um, finally though, when I, when I graduated college in 2016, uh, I met with a younger woman rheumatologist and she listened to me and touched my body and actually took that time and ran the right blood test. And I was first diagnosed with uh, undifferentiated connective tissue disorder uh, because that's kind of, it, it's, okay, so if you look at a Venn diagram of rheumatoid arthritis, systemic lupus erythematosus, and Sjogren syndrome, if those were three circles in a Venn diagram, uh, undifferentiated connective tissue disease sits right in the middle. There's a light theory that all autoimmune diseases are somewhat the same thing, but we differentiate them as diagnosticians based upon what is being affected. So like 
you know, you're more likely to be diagnosed with Chagrin syndrome if you just can't seem to produce any tears or saliva because that's where the autoimmune disease is attacking your body. Uh, but I ended up on joints as a primary problem. So that's why I ended up with that one. Um, but as uh, I, I had to switch doctors for a number of reasons and uh, I began to flare. And so uh, I was started on hydroxychloroquine then, though, in the summer of 2016. Uh, I've been taking it ever since. I've never stopped. Uh, it's 400 milligrams yeah. a day. Um, and uh, after about a year of being on it, I stopped getting like more. Oh, I stopped getting as much disease activity. And then we kind of focused on, uh, you know, talking about my, my life history in my doctor's appointments a little bit more. And we realized that, yeah, I've probably had lupus for a much longer time. Uh, my, my diagnosis still says undifferentiated connective tissue disorder, though, because the treatment is the same and we don't want my insurance premiums to go up, which is another very interesting uh, twist in the way that we treat people wow. in the U.S. I know. Yeah. Uh, it's real fascinating. Uh, but you know, I, I do get the very notable, uh, butterfly rash across my face every now and again. Um, I, I experience pleurisy, experience daily joint pain. Uh, my vitamin D has always been deficient. Uh, and so I take a lot of vitamin D, uh, weekly. It's, it sucks. I really wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> well, that's a strong anti, uh, uh, lupus statement, which, um, I don't know. Uh, people can agree with or disagree with, you yeah. know, <laughs> uh, autoimmune diseases are fun. Yeah. <laughs> How would you describe like the importance of being able to access hydroxychloroquine? Like what happens to you if you are no longer able to get this medication? So, um, I've never gone off of it since I was on it but I can describe my worst flare. And that's what I anticipate would be the beginning of my experience of being off of it, uh, since I have not actually done that, but I'm very scared to. So my last really bad flare was summer of 2017, and I had been on vacation. Uh, you're not supposed to spend a lot of time in the sun as a person with lupus. Uh, you're sensitive to UV radiation to begin with, and actually hydroxychloroquine makes you more sensitive to UV which is really fascinating. So I, I spent a lot of time in the sun for a week uh, at altitude, and I was also drinking a lot because it's vacation. And the very last day, uh, my joints started to swell around 5 p.m. Like we noticed that my knees were hot and my chest was flushed and my face had the malar rash. And then by 9 p.m., every single one of my joints was swollen, including my jaw. And so like my teeth didn't connect. And it was like, you know, it was the last night of camp. So I went to the camp dance with my cane and everybody freaked out. But I just wanted to have fun. Um, yeah. So that would, my assumption, be the beginning uh, of what I would face. Uh, thankfully, that that flare didn't last too long because I, I hit it with uh, some steroids right at the beginning. But steroids are really rough on the body. And uh, prednisone will make me further immunocompromised. Uh, and any other treatment that I would seek out as a lupus patient without my hydroxychloroquine would be uh, further immunosuppressive than hydroxychloroquine already is, which like that, that is hydroxychloroquine is less of an immunosuppressant than other lupus medications. It's actually more of a immunoregulator. So while it does change the way that my immune system functions, it doesn't just tamp it down. It, it, it changes how it interacts with my body. So it stops it from, you know, beating up my own system and instead directs it to function more properly. But it, as I said, not as suppressive as other things uh, like methotrexate and a lot of these other 
medications can really only be delivered properly through IV. So that would mean that if I were to seek treatment, I would have to go into a, a doctor's office or a hospital uh, where as an already immunocompromised person, I would be more likely to catch COVID-19 if I don't already have it. And as we've seen uh, across the country, there are triage uh, you know, methods being put into place. Uh, and so knowing that I'm more likely to get worse once infected uh, and knowing that I would be less likely to be considered for a ventilator uh, should I get worse, this just seems like uh, the beginning of a, a domino effect of shittiness. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, prednisone is brutal on somebody that mm-hmm. doesn't have an autoimmune disorder. It's so hard exactly. on the body and makes you yeah. feel like you're going to pass out at any moment in time. Uh, yeah. Like you got hit by a truck. It's awful. literally. Yeah. And, and uh, have you noticed any sort of difficulty? Like I've been reading online, a lot of people have had trouble getting uh, their full like they've been going, they haven't been able to get, yeah, like 90 day prescriptions or whatever. Um, they've been locked down to 30 or, yeah. Coincidentally, I picked up a 90 day prescription at like the end of January, beginning of February. So uh, I had a, a stockpile. I, you know, yeah, who would have thought? Um, I was just yeah. going traveling. And so I, I, you know, I picked up for that. Uh, <laughs> cracked me up. They actually gave me like the prescription bottle, like the manufacturer's bottle, because they were like, just take it. You're taking all of it anyway. I thought that was amazing. Um, you got to take the little joys when you're chronically ill. So, um, all of that said, uh, I am thankfully okay for now, but I know that this won't last forever. And I've been really in touch with the way that this story has unfolded since, uh, it started. I actually saw like the OG Elon Musk tweet and somebody had posted on Reddit in February that there was some testing of hydroxychloroquine in China. So I, I was like tapped in on this one. How did that feel when you see that? Like this, this weird little niche, you know, hydroxychloroquine. Nobody uh, who didn't take it knew what the hell this stuff was prior to that I mean, Musk tweet. Really. It's also like, a relatively new drug as well. I mean, chloroquine's well, it's, been it's around very, for a while, but oh. yeah, hydroxychloroquine's been around a little. Uh, it's a little bit more recent than chloroquine itself, but like overall, this is an old drug. It's an old malarial that actually doesn't work as well on malaria anymore, and so it's been kind of abandoned in its original treatment form, and now it's almost exclusively only to autoimmune people, which has been an infuriating, like, invisibility that media has allowed us to fall into. Uh, rarely is it actually described as what it is used for. I digress. Uh, how it felt to read that on, like, Reddit and Twitter and everything. Uh, at first, I was like, oh, yo, that's my boy. Like, maybe this is the only good thing that my disability has ever done for me. Like, what if I'm, you know, I'm going to live forever. I'm never going to get this. Uh, but as, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, again, gotta gotta make little jokes. As the story though became more clear, and I, you know, kept in touch with this Musk tweet and started, uh, I have like a spreadsheet of all of these uh, resources that I've been following because the story has just ballooned so quickly. Um, it became more and more clear that this is going to be a big problem for not only me, but like I, I will say, us as a community of autoimmune people who take this drug, uh, and it's like completely taken over my life. I have no work right now. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm a professional photographer. And as you can imagine, events that I would usually shoot have evaporated and my day job is scooping ice cream and I'm too immunocompromised to do that. So uh, I have nothing better to do but track this and stress over it. As the, the sort of stockpiling has begun, um, like, 
I don't know. Like, I, I keep just wanting to ask, like, how, how does it feel to have your your healthcare jeopardized by a, a president desperate for like a miracle cure? Like, it's this, it's this uh, impossible, impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is fully yeah. real that this has. Uh, like, I feel like the way that I'm being viewed by my friends is like, oh, this is just Abby, you know, making it all about her. When it's like, no, 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 no. You guys don't understand. Like, this is it for us. For most people with lupus. This is the only drug that we can take for a relatively normal life. Like, otherwise, you kind of have to structure your life around infusions. And, like, for some people, these infusions are really, really taxing. And so that's, you know, three days off of work, like, one day to prepare, one day to get it, one day to recover. Like, these are uh, tough drugs in the best of times. But to see that our most accessible drug during a pandemic is being kind of co-opted as a political football... And what it's turned into is is truly that like divisive, uh, that divisive thing that people are latching on to. Like the the more and more I've read, or rather, let me rewind slightly, because the original um, news stories that started coming out. Let me scroll up because uh, <laughs> I have everything organized by date. Some of the first stories that came out were on Breitbart and The Blaze. Those were on March 18th. Um, those are the first ones that I saw outside of like Elon Musk mentioning it on Twitter on March 16th. Um, so seeing it be grabbed so immediately by Ready Twitter was alarming. Um, and then absolutely yeah yeah like having that then be like twisted into this narrative of like you're being selfish how dare you take this drug that you've always taken because you're worried for your health like as if that that that's not what other people are saying and it's the lack of scientific literacy in the conversation overall has been um have you actually had people call you selfish for taking this medication? Absolutely. Uh, Reddit wow. was the first place I was called selfish. And then uh, again, what on Twitter, the again on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Like how, like I'll be fine if I don't take this medication, obviously it's just lupus. So yeah. Um, I really wow. don't think that people know what lupus is, like whether uh, it's, you know, helped by Dr. House saying it was never. Yeah. Lupus. I'm going to, I was going to say my whole knowledge of lupus comes from Dr. House. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the quick summary though, cause I feel like I haven't really said that I've only talked about it for me. Um, so lupus is an autoimmune disease that, uh, is the most kind of broad descriptor of an autoimmune disease. Like you'll get something like, uh, you know, ankylosing spondylitis, which is like really focused on your lower back and pain there. Uh, or like celiac disease has a clear cause and effect of, you know, uh, gluten being the cause and then your immune system responding to that. But lupus is like you can experience inflammation from your body attacking itself literally anywhere, but there are some consistencies. So like most of us get that rash, most of us experience problems in the sun, but every, everybody with lupus is different. Um, one of the worst things that can happen for lupus patients is, uh, pericardial swelling. So the swelling of the tissue around your heart, which can then interfere with its beating. And then the other thing is lupus loves the kidneys. Lupus nephritis is one of the most common deadly versions of lupus. Uh, that was actually why Selena Gomez got a kidney transplant like a right. couple summers ago. Yeah. 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 Um, so I was actually really trying to get Selena Gomez's attention at first and she's kind of been tweeting about it, but not really. Cause I guess she's fine now. So whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, 
not taking our medication is not just like, you'll put up with some pain for a while. Like I put up with pain every day because there's no rewinding the 10 years of uncontrolled disease that I experience. But without it, there is the chance that my immune system will attack my kidneys and I will die. Because like, what, am I going to get a kidney transplant during a pandemic? Probably not. Woo. Well, um, Jesus, that is, uh, I, I think uh, w- without, you know, getting too partisan because reporters aren't allowed to have opinions, some bullshit. Um, <laughs> um, let me se- second that. That's some fucking bullshit. I can also speak to a little bit more what I've been experiencing online because I think it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, please. So I've been following the story, as you guys know. Uh, I sent you my, my big spreadsheet. Um, and as I've been following it more and more and as I've been, like, you know, uh, proudly dotting my reply guy crown, um, I've been seeing the way that the like meme culture is kind of curdling this narrative. And then on Facebook, I have been getting inundated by friend requests from all men with Southeast Asian names that I'm assuming are bots, but I've gotten dozens within the last 24 hours and then a couple before then that I can somewhat trace back to a comment that I made on a Wall Street Journal article advocating for lupus patients getting protections for our medication. Um, I have screenshots of both all the friend requests, the messages that I've been getting, and because like I got messages from some of them that have been like gone to filtered uh, messages, and then I have like all of the the friend requests that I got. It's just really weird, and it feels like I'm experiencing bot networks that are set up specifically to sow discord. I have no proof of this yet, but I have some light connections that could lead me to this conclusion, uh, or at least lead me to where I'm at now. There's no conclusions yet, but I, I've been trying to get in touch with Reply All, actually, to see if they can figure out what's going on. Oh, that's a good call. Is it, and it's primarily on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Primarily on Facebook. Um, I've tweeted at I mean, Reply All a couple I, times, and yeah. I emailed them with all of the, like, friend requests, but it, it feels like such a conspiracy theory, even, like, saying it out loud, but, like, I... I don't know. I'm experiencing a weird thing right now. And there's some, I don't know, there's weird stuff going on. As someone who has like periodically jammed his head into aspects of the culture war online from a reporting standpoint, um, I get regularly deluged in waves that go along with those head jammings um, of, of folks, you know, signing me up for botnet works for bullshit or not botnet signing me up for like, uh, mailing list people like random um, sex bots reaching out to me on Google Hangouts. Like, yeah, it's a thing that happens um, when you wind up in the middle of one of these culture war firing squads. Yeah, and like I, I have no intention to stop doing what I'm doing until we are actually seeing progress on lupus patients being guaranteed ex- access to our medication. So like, I, we'll see where I end up. All right. Well, um, Abby, I think that's everything we had. Thank you so much for coming on. If you guys need anything else, you know, I got all the resources and I'm just going to keep going on this one. So thank you so much. Well, that's going to do it for us here at whatever this show was called. No one knows anymore. It's been so long ago that we created it. Um, it's called Next Year, Please. Everything's fine. <laughs> next Year, Please. Colon yes. the year. Mm-hmm. Everything is fine the year. Check us out next week if we are all still alive. Which is a crapshoot. <laughs> that was really depressing. You got. You can find us online at Worst Year Pod on the things you know, the Instagram thing and the Twitter thing, uh, and you know, 
Stay safe, you guys. Wash your hands. Yeah. Stay wash, safe. Your hands. wash your hands. Wear a mask. Be safe. Uh, Don't commit crimes. Wear sunscreen. Check out the latest album from Muffin. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. Definitely check out Muffin. Oh, my God. Absolutely check out Muffin. See if your local theater's uh, got any performances of All for Joe coming up. Oh, yeah. Check that shit out, too. Okay. Hi. This is the episode. We are. All right. The end. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.